Welcome to The End Game, a podcast about the positive aspects of aging with grace, with joy, and with purpose. I'm your host, Don Auction. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get on with today's show. It is an honor and a pleasure to have as my guest the mayor of Shreveport, Louisiana, the Honorable Tom Arsenault. Tom and I were high school classmates and then college classmates at LSU. And after graduation, I left to scale the battlements of big league journalism while Tom finished law school and eventually returned to Shreveport to practice law. Last year, at the age of 71, Tom opted to forego a promising career as a relaxed retiree and instead poured all his energy into campaigning for mayor. And he won decisively. Tom, thanks for agreeing to be here on The End Game. Uh, it's my pleasure to be here. It's good to see you too, Don. Same here. Did you uh, ever seriously consider just accepting the life of the uh, grandfather retiree as you, uh, you know, uh, as your reward for a long and successful career? Yeah, I, I did. I, uh, I actually, for a long time, did not believe that I had the kind of personality that would allow me to retire. And, uh, and then uh, I learned during COVID that uh, that was not necessarily the case, that uh, I could enjoy being at home and, and having a more relaxed uh, life, spending time with, at that time, six grandchildren. We've since had a seven. Wow. And uh, so it was, uh, I, I found out that I could adjust to that, that uh, I am, uh, for all of my political activity, I am an introvert at heart. And so uh, being able to sit down and read whatever it is that I wanted to read and uh, write a little bit and do those kind of things was uh, was very intriguing to me. And uh, the, but then this uh, this calling or opportunity came up and uh, and I decided to, to change course. You had. Uh... You had served two terms on the city council, and you and your wife have been outstanding citizens involved in lots of civic causes. Why wasn't that enough? Um, well, it certainly it certainly was enough. Um, I felt that the city was not going in a uh, particularly healthy direction, and uh, that it needed some mature leadership. And uh, I contacted actually I contacted a number of other people that to let them know I was interested in running, uh, but that if they were interested in running, I would be more than happy to support them. And uh, they, it was kind of their consensus or their decision that they were not going to run. And um, uh, because I, I, I felt very strongly that I could do the job and uh, had the energy to do it. And I went ahead and put my hat in the ring and and we were successful uh, kind of in a, in a surprise to a lot of people. I was not terribly surprised by it. I was surprised by the margin. I was not surprised by the victory because uh, Elizabeth and I were out walking every day. Uh, we started on the 9th of April last year and, and we're walking door to door most of most every day after that. So we felt like we had a pulse on what was going on and we didn't just walk in areas where we expected to run strong. We walked in areas that we thought we might run weak in order to build up some support. And uh, the response was really very positive. So we felt like we had a good chance to win. 
is it hard to be an introvert and go out day to day knocking on doors with strangers? You know, the knocking on knocking on doors is easy because that's one to me is because it's one on one and I enjoy it, except for the first door. I had to kind of psych myself up for the first door. Uh, but after that, and then Elizabeth and I mostly walk together and Elizabeth is much more extroverted than I am. So I had an extrovert with me. So that made it easier. And, you know, if she felt like uh, I was trying to, to weasel out on a night, she'd kind of kick me in the rump and say, you know, we really have to go do this. We want to win this. We're not in it. We're not in it to have fun walking through neighborhoods. We're in this to win the race. Tom, was, was being mayor something that you thought about as a kid? Uh, are, are you like those, those kids who grow up thinking they're going to be president or senator or something like that? I, I, I would say that I grew up thinking I might be president. Uh, mayor, mayor did not enter my mind until I'd served on the city council. And, uh, and I really learned that I liked municipal government. I liked the level of government. I liked the accessibility of uh, local government officials to their constituents. Uh, to me, uh, and, and uh, there are exceptions to this, obviously, when you have huge city councils in places like Los Angeles or uh, Washington, D.C. or Chicago, uh, it's probable that, that access is a problem because there are just so many people and so many different uh, representatives. But there are only seven members of the city council. We have a city just under 200,000 people. So there really is a pretty close relationship. And I, I kind of felt like when the, when the founding fathers were thinking about how this thing is supposed to work, that they had in mind much more local government and state government than they did the, the kind of federal government that we have today. And, uh, and so to me, that's where the vision of our founding fathers still happens. So I really love local government and uh, looking at it over the years, uh, there did not seem to be the opportunity for me to be elected mayor uh, in the several times when I, when I looked at it after I'd been on the council. This time there was kind of a unique set of circumstances and a point in history that I thought there was an opportunity for me to get elected and so I ran. So what is being mayor like on a day-to-day -day basis? What do you do? <laughs> I, uh, I see a lot of people. Uh, now Fridays, Fridays are unusual. We would try and hold Fridays in case I have emergencies to deal with and just to kind of uh, catch my breath. Uh, so Fridays are my light days. Most of the rest of the time, I'll have three or four appointments and those can, sometimes it's, it's bigger than that. What I learned in the beginning is I, uh, I tend to say yes to people who want to come see the mayor. Uh, but that left me with very little time to actually plan and execute, uh, you know, being a lawyer for over 40 years, uh, uh, lawyering is reactionary. You know, something comes in and you do something. Now you may plan a project, after something's come in the door, but basically you're reacting okay. to whatever is happening uh, in your practice. Being the mayor, you have to set the agenda. And so that requires a little thought time. Uh, it requires some strategy time. It, it requires some quiet time. So we've started building that into building that into my schedule because I am 
I am an early morning person. So my best, my best thinking time is say between six in the morning and noon. Uh, I drop off a little in the afternoon and I'm, I should only be doing social things after five o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> okay. that, that, that is not my produce, most productive mental time. It sounds like it's pretty busy. It is pretty busy. It's really busy. Uh, a typical day is very busy between, say, 8.30 and 5. Uh, it can be very frenetic during that period of time. I'm a little surprised that I do not have more evening engagements. Um, a long time ago, I would have expected to have two or three banquets a week and be on the, the proverbial uh, rubber chicken circuit. But uh, now a lot of times, uh, for example, last night I had a neighborhood association meeting, but it started at 530 and I was through by 630. Hmm. So uh, yesterday is an example. Yesterday I had five appointments, uh, which is a, a fairly typical a fairly typical day, and I have become a little more selective in, in who I will see uh, because everybody wants to see the mayor. And if, if I saw everybody that wanted to see me, I would I would really never have time to be the mayor. Right. If if you had known how much work it would be, would you have changed your mind about running? Absolutely not. I'm having a great time. I really am enjoying being the mayor. Uh, I feel I feel a sense of fulfillment. Uh, there are uh, there are challenges. I have a I have a seven person city council that I have to uh, get support from uh, on most issues, and I'm I'm working hard at developing those relationships. Uh, it's in in a in an organization that only has eight members total. There are eight elected officials in the city of Shreveport, so it's very very important that we get to have a relationship, be able to talk with each other, frankly, without screaming at each other. And I think, I think we've all done a pretty good job of getting there in the first six months. I, I read a book some years ago, and I, I think we even talked about it at one point called A Prayer for the City by Buzz Bissinger. And it was a close-up look at what it was like to be the mayor of Philadelphia. Uh, it was Ed Ringel at that time, Rendell at that time. Uh, and the impression I came away with that being a big city mayor is an almost impossible job to succeed at. And Shreveport, of course, is not as complex as Philadelphia, but does managing all the pieces that it, and the players that it takes to get things done feel impossible at times? It, it can be frustrating because uh, my experience with local government is there are more good things that, that people would like local government to do then local government has the resources to do. So uh, having to say no to a good project that simply isn't as high on a priority list as another good project is, uh, is complicated, but that's how, I, that's how I try and phrase it. And I'm trying to be honest with people. You know, the advantage of, the advantage of my uh, age and maturity uh, and my long association with the city is that I, you know, I don't have to have this job. <laughs> and uh, while I'm while I'm planning to run for re-election, uh, you know, I, I have to make decisions that are in the best interest of the city and be as diplomatic in saying no to people as I possibly can. But you know, we obviously cannot say yes to everybody. 
I went through two terms on the city council. The first term, we were flush with cash. And so being in government was fun. We said yes to everybody. And then uh, federal revenue sharing ended, and we had an oil and gas crash in this area. And all of a sudden, we didn't have any money. And so I, what I like to say is that that's when I learned a lot about government and how you have to set priorities, but that people can understand those priorities if you explain it. It's much easier to do that at the local government level than it is at the state or the federal uh, level because there just isn't the sense of access. You, it, you know, uh, only occasionally does a congressman or a senator talk to a Rotary Club, but a mayor talks to them all the time. And we don't just talk to people at Rotary meetings, we talk to them in the grocery store and at restaurants and at parks and all the places that, that you go around because everybody recognizes the mayor and they all want to talk. And, and, uh, and I receive a tremendous amount of input from ordinary citizens, a lot of which is just good, solid common sense. Yeah. It must be hard to go to the grocery. I mean, you must schedule a long <laughs> well, time for grocery trips. <laughs> You have, you have to, you have to set expectations because you can't just, you know, run in and buy a bag of coffee and run out. <laughs> so, uh, I, I just have had to learn, uh, patience. Uh, I'm, I am, I am a little less patient than my wife. Uh, Elizabeth will talk to somebody for hours and I, I, I tend to prefer shorter conversations, but, uh, obviously you can't just uh, brusquely sweep people away when they're out there. And, and it's very, very good that they recognize me and that they want to talk to me. So uh, I just build in some extra time and I know that, that I'm not going to ever expect to run into someplace and run right out. So let's, let's talk a little bit about age, which is the focus of this podcast. Um, the media have been expressing some concern about whether certain political figures are too old to handle their responsibilities. Um, how's your stamina? And do you have any concerns about that? I don't, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I am a somewhat irregular workout person, but I am a workout person. It, my schedule sometimes is difficult. I have a home gym uh, and I try and hit that gym about three times a week. So, uh, I am in very good physical health. I have, I have some typical minor chronic things that you might expect of, of a man who's 71, but uh, there, I take a very little bit of medication for those things. They stay under control. My blood pressure is under control. Um, I'd like my weight to be a little bit better under control, but I'm, uh, I'm, I'm working on that. I'm trying to lose 10 pounds right now, but uh I, most people have trouble keeping up with me, so I have a lot of energy. And uh, that's good. Now, when I when I, I'm kind of one of those people that I'm either on or off, and so when I get home at night and it's time to go to bed, I'm gone. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> but uh, but during the day and as long as I am with appearances, I don't have an issue with stamina. I think that is something that uh, that is unique to a particular person. You can't assume that somebody who's in their 70s or in their 80s is not capable of performing a high level job. Uh, 
you know, the advantage of being at my age is I've seen an awful lot of things. I've made mistakes. I've had successes and I've learned from both of those things. And I think it tends to make me calmer in a crisis situation that I know that I may not know exactly what I need to do at that moment, but that we will have a strategy and uh, with some faith in God, we will manage to get through these things if we work together with each other and don't, you know, and don't panic. So I think that that's very helpful. I've had, uh, I've had some crises already uh, in, in my office. Uh, we had a tornado that came through. Fortunately, it was a, no, no tornado is minor, but for a tornado, it did very, very limited damage in a very small part of the city. There were no injuries and no fatalities. So I was very fortunate in that respect, but that, that puts you in high gear in a hurry. I was actually on my way to a function when that one occurred. And, uh, when I got to the function, the, all the electricity was off there. And that's how I learned that there'd been a tornado and immediately went to, um, uh, went to the temporary command station, which was about a half a mile away from where the function was supposed to be. Right. We have, of course, you know, we're kind of, we're, we're in, in on the outskirts of tornado alley. So we have tornado warnings. Uh, we had, uh, we had a weather event Saturday in which we had about three inches of rain in a very short period of time. And unfortunately, uh, had a citizen who went into some high water in a vehicle and drowned. Uh, mm. so, you know, you, you deal with all of those things and every one of those is, is a difficult thing if you have a sensitive mind. Yeah. So honestly, could you have been happy hanging it all up at 70 and coasting on your laurels and stepping back from an active life? Would that have satisfied you? I think so. I mean, I've still been practicing law a little bit, uh, handing off work to other lawyers. Um, you know, uh, my, uh, my mentor, Judge Tom Stagg, who stayed on the bench into his 90s, uh, said that his wife had had said uh, had committed to him for life, but not for lunch. And uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm I'm sure I would have been I'm sure I would have been active in that sense uh, because it really would have given me the opportunity to contribute to the community in some way or another. Uh, so uh, I don't I don't hunt. I don't fish. I am about to take up golf for the first time since 1975 because mm-hmm. I have some people that would really like to spend a little time uh, uh, with me. And that's, that's something that I might be able to do. But uh, generally speaking, my, my outside activities, my hobbies have been community work and I really love doing that and wouldn't have planned to have stopped. So I probably would have had some kind of pretty major volunteer position that I would have gotten into uh, had I hung it up, but it would have been something that gave me a great deal of flexibility. I mentioned earlier, I have seven grandchildren, none of whom live in Shreveport. So I have grandchildren in Atlanta and in Sunnyvale, Texas, just outside of Dallas and in Lubbock, Texas. And uh, we would, we would probably spend a little more time traveling to see grandchildren. Yeah. Nothing beats that fun. I just, no. they're the best. <laughs> Tom, I really admire what you're doing. I think you're setting a great example for people our age who know that they, they still have a lot to give and they aren't willing to just fade away. 
So thank you for taking time from your busy schedule to talk to me today and, and for what you're doing. It has been a real pleasure. Uh, it's great. Always good to talk to you, Don, and uh, our relationship. Because we're mature uh, adults, our relationship goes back more than 50 years, and I cherish it. So thank you very much. I, I feel the same, Tom. Thank you again. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our free weekly newsletter, The Endgame, at theendgame.substack.com. I'm Don Auction, wishing you all the best in aging with grace, with joy, and with purpose. I hope you'll join us for future programs here at The Endgame.